Can you feel it today? It's a little bit of sense of normalcy, just a little bit. We're heading that way. Take your Bibles, if you would, and find Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We're back to a series we started a couple of three weeks ago. Now it seems like a lot longer than that. But uh, we're looking at moving forward. It's about time. And we're talking about more than just moving forward physically or the pandemic, those kinds of things. But we want to be able to move forward as a church individually. And we're going to find for the book of Joshua and these, uh, these studies how we might be able to do that. I cannot tell you when I've been so glad to be in worship than it is today. Good to see you today. Please forgive the suit. I wasn't able to wear my Easter suit last week, so, uh, or I did, nobody saw it. So I'm all, I thought I'd wear it today. So we're, we're all in today and uh, looking forward to how the Lord's going to continue to be at work. Hey, just in case so that you won't be confused as you came in, you could always grab. Uh, you don't have to, of course, but we've got these wristbands for you. They're green, yellow, and red. Feel free to just get your favorite color if you like. But green ought to be your wide open. You're okay with people shaking your hands if you'd like to give them a hug. Now, they've got to wear green, too, for you to hug them. You understand. Red is just the opposite. You come in, put a mask on. We want to keep your space if that needs to be. We want you to feel comfortable here. We're going to try this for the next few weeks just to see if everybody might find a place that they feel comfortable. Yellow's caution. Feel free. Grab your yellow if you'd like. And you just kind of be cautious. And that, you know, maybe you can still do it fist pump or those kind of things, one seat in between. But we want you to be comfortable. If you forget it, just pick one up next week. It'll be okay. Or if not, you just start telling people, I'm red, stay away. Or I'm green, we're wide open, we're ready for that. But uh, And hey, if this doesn't help us to kind of get back to some sense of normalcy, we'll reevaluate that and do something else. But we'll see how that goes over the next few weeks. We're in Joshua chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the whole chapter of Joshua, maybe even some of chapter 4, but I want to read for us The first 13 verses. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read the first 13 verses. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today? Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went to the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have, passed, have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on before the people. So they took the Ark of the Covenant, went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. And He will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over you before into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. Verse 13 reads, And with the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth... 
shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. And you may be seated. I have to tell you that there are three things that I have a hard time remembering. One of those today is I have to work at heart remembering names, having a harder time remembering names. Second thing is I have a hard time remembering dates. And the third thing is, let's see. Oh yeah, the third thing is, is I can't remember what the third thing is that I can't remember. Now I'd give that some as illustration, of course, but can I tell you that the events that take place in Joshua chapter 3 would be events that the Israelites would long remember. And they are events that we need to long remember and understand why these things happen, how we might be able to make application for our lives as well. And hope that we will do this in our study today because I believe that this crossing over of the Jordan River into the Promised Land may be as much as a historical thing that they would remember as any other in their history. Well, a lot of crossover moments in life. I mean, we all have those. Maybe they have to do with birth, sometimes crisis during childhood. Sometimes we feel like we're facing crisis maybe every day, at least some people do. And then sometimes they have to do with going off to school, could be with marriage, could be with uh, job decisions, even in retirement. Some crossover moments are a little bit more difficult. Sometimes it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's because of a loss of a relationship, maybe even loss of a loved one. It may be a financial crisis. It could even be a financial success. Success sometimes is a much of a test of character as anything else. Well, it may be today that you're facing a crossover experience. If not today, then maybe sometime in the near future. But if you're going to go forward in your Christian walk, adjustment is needed. So can we discuss today how we might make right decisions based on faith and not on fear. Now, maybe we would say that most of us here today are believers in the Lord Jesus. That is, that we know Christ as our Savior and Lord. We've accepted Him uh, as our Savior and Lord of our salvation. For most of us here today, we would say that our salvation is secure. If today there's someone that is here today or someone that is listening that does not know Jesus, you need to know that our prayer is for you that you will know Christ as your Savior and Lord, even before this service is over here today. And today will be an invitation for you to accept the free gift of salvation. But I would also venture to say that there are many who know Christ as their Savior that have not necessarily made Jesus Lord of every aspect of your life. Now let's make a distinction here. There are at least two times that the Israelites had crossed over uh, into the through the water into dry land to the places in that they would what needed to be. One was 40 years earlier. Israelites had crossed over from the Red Sea after they escaped from the Egyptians, of course. After the ten plagues, they come to the, uh, they come to the water there. and We know that Moses, of course, lifts up his rod and waters part, and they cross over into dry land. We also know that the uh, Egyptian army followed them and the Egyptian army was uh, defeated on that day uh, as well. It's probably the more popular of the crossings. But I'm going to argue today perhaps that this one is just as dramatic. The story of the Israelites of the Old Testament has often been used to appropriately describe the Christian life. It's not just something that we come up with but even in the New Testament. It talks about the crossing of the Red Sea. That is, that is sometimes... 
akin to the entering into salvation and freedom that we experience when we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And then the crossing of the Jordan River. It can be akin to the entering into a new way of living. A lifestyle of following Christ and claiming your inheritance as a child of God and to seek to give Him lordship over every aspect of your heart and your life so that you might have genuine living and lasting peace and so that you might be a part of influencing the world for Jesus. What does that sound good? Sound like something that you want to be a part of? I think this passage gives us a clue of crossing over to live as God intended to live. Now we read a moment ago in Joshua chapter 3, we'll look at some others, instructions that God gave His people as to how they might be able to make that physical crossing over. We're going to use those instructions today in order that we might be able to find some instructions so that we might also be able to follow God and to cross over to live as He intended for us to live. Now, you notice in your notes you've got a one, two, three, four, five. I don't always have numbers like that because I don't often think that, well, living the life is a checklist. I do one, two, and three, four, five, and this is all good. But I want us to be able to understand and be able to see those instructions and how these instructions also apply <clears throat> to our lives as well. But I'm going to give you a warning today. This could be a crossover moment for you. You cannot come and you cannot look at this passage, pay attention to what God's Word says, and do nothing with it. So either you will come today and as we take a look at these over these next few minutes and you'll come to the place that I'm ready to cross over or you may turn and go the other way and not growing in Christ, not living the genuine life, living that the Lord had intended for each one of us. Okay, so we want to have a chance kind of at a new beginning today as we can look at this and maybe you're at a crossover moment, maybe there's one to come, but as a believer it's a chance at a new beginning as we look at this passage. Here's one of the first instructions they were given, and for us today. You need to recognize the movement of God. We need to recognize the movement of God. For 40 years, the movement of God for the Israelites was observed on a daily basis. Some of you remember, there was a pillar of fire by night. If the fire moved, they moved. Pillar of cloud by day. And it, when it moved, they were ready to move. The presence of God was also considered to be always with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant becomes very uh, significant as they move into the land of Canaan. In fact, the Ark is mentioned 17 times in this chapter, in the next chapter. You remember the Ark of the Covenant, either because you've been in Sunday school or we've talked about it before, or you watched Indiana Jones. But you remember a uh, wooden box overlaid with gold, seraphim on top, and uh, it was a place that, where God dwelt inside the Ark of the Covenant. There was the Ten Commandments, there was the rod of Aaron, and there was a jar of manna, bread that they ate in the wilderness. And as the Israelites are encamped on the east side of the Jordan, three days after Joshua told them to prepare and be ready, another specific command is given to the Israelites. When you see the ark move, you shall go after it. Now there are symbols used here, carried over into the New Testament. The ark carried in it, of course, the Word of God, Aaron's rod, and manna which is bread of the wilderness. Well, in the Gospels, who do we find Jesus is in John 1.1? 1, 1? We know that He is the Word, so Jesus is the living Word. We also think of the manna in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus is also called the bread of life. He sustains us. He gives us life and gives us eternal life. So we have here a basic principle of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, yet often overlooked by well-meaning believers. Now, 
consider that many of you are good Bible-believing people who pray often. Maybe we pray when we get up in the morning or before we go to bed and pray at meals and pray sometimes with our family. Lord, uh, please bless us. Lord, please be with us. And as we go to school, as we go to work, help us to, do, to be with us and do whatever I have planned during the day. Would you please be with me? Now, what's wrong with that prayer? Well, really there's nothing wrong, but if that's all that we pray, then we'll probably stay on the east side of the Jordan, on the wilderness side spiritually. For asking God to bless our plants that does not help us to grow in faith. We must find out where and what God is up to and what you're doing in your life. And you find out that by recognizing the movement of God. Now it seemed kind of easy for the Israelites. Not only in the 40 years we're in the wilderness, but even while they're staring, they're about to cross over. When you see the ark move, you're supposed to follow over it. Can I tell you, it may not always be easy. But I believe the Lord wants to make it just as plain to you or I and then be ready so that we might be ready to move. I'm sure it was Helen Keller and probably many others who have said, none are so blind as those who refuse to see. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. Well, how can we see God's presence? The fact that the ark carried the law of God and the manna from heaven should give us a clue because we recognize God's presence as we spend time with the one who is the living word of God and we spend time with the one who is the bread of life and we find how to apply his word. So kind of on the outset here, I want you to be able to identify where you see God at work even today in your life. You've got that there in your notes. I've not necessarily answered for you. But places where you know God is present and working. Do you see Him working in your church? Do you know that He's at work in your Sunday school class? Or maybe it is at work or maybe something happened in your neighborhood. Or maybe there's a a ministry that you're a part of. or, uh, Or maybe you see God at work in your daily quiet times. And If you don't see God work at anywhere else, this is probably where you need to start. Getting to know the bread of life and in reading God's Word. Once you recognize God's presence, then you're getting ready to follow wherever He leads. It may not always be easy, but the Lord wants to make it plain. And the problem is, even God's people, even those who are followers of the Lord Jesus, are not always paying attention. But before the Israelites were ready to follow, they were to do something else. We read it there in verse 5 a moment ago. We're going to call it, Sanctify Yourself Before God. Sanctify yourself before God. We read in the ESV a moment ago, it used the word consecrate. Let's not make this too complicated. It means to purify, to be set apart, to dedicate oneself to God. Now for the Israelites, what did that mean? Well, they were to do some physical and ceremonial washing away of the things that they brought in the desert before they moved into the promised land. They lived in a day when taking a bath wasn't an everyday experience. So they had three days in order to be sanctified, consecrated before the Lord. And part of that meant actually taking a physical bath to be ready, but it was a represented that they were dedicating themselves to God. <clears throat> Do we have a ceremonial washing that's kind of symbolic of the cleansing of sin? Well, we do. We have baptism. 
We have one baptism. But we're to continually to be involved in the process of sanctification. And also there in your notes, sanctification is the process whereby believers grow in their relationship with Jesus. It means to be holier, to be set apart. Now justification is the one-time event in salvation to where we have given our heart and life over to Jesus. This is what Christ has done when He regenerated our hearts. But sanctification is the continuing to confess sin and become less like the world, more godly and holy as He is holy. And this is what the Lord's asking for us today in order to have kind of a crossover moment. It always involves consecration, sanctification, always involves confession of sin and commitment. Now, how often do we need to do this? We always need to do it at crossover moments, times of life, times of crisis, times of new beginning. So today could be a crossover moment in which we need to be sure that we're confessing sin, committing ourselves. And always when we're seeking to follow Him, which kind of leads to the understanding that as believers it is something that we need to do every day if we want to see and follow God. According to verse 5, go ahead and look at it if you'd like. Why did Joshua ask the Israelites to sanctify themselves? It says in verse 5, it says, uh, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonder among you. Because the Lord's going to do wonder among you. He wants to do some amazing things. Do you believe that the Lord wants to do amazing things in your life? I hope if not before the day's out that you'll know. And God wants to do some great things with your life. How about the life of this church? Well, two things that we'll begin to do. We need to recognize the movement of God and sanctify or dedicate ourselves to Him on a daily basis. Now did you notice as we read how far away they were to stay away from the ark? Read in the ESV, they're to stay 2,000 cubits away from the ark. That's easy to understand, isn't it? It's about 1,000 uh, yards actually away uh, behind the ark. About 10 football fields away as the ark moved. They weren't to get too close. I'm sure some of that had to do with the holiness of the ark. Nobody's supposed to touch the ark except for certain priests, certain times, all of those things. But verse 4 that we read a moment ago says that they were to follow so that because they were go, to go to places they had never been before. They weren't, certainly weren't to go t- too close, go ahead, but they were to see new and amazing wonders. Ten football fields away so that they might not miss a thing. I believe that God wants you to have the best view possible of what He wants to do in your life. But for that to happen, you must follow this third instruction. We're moving right along. Take a step of faith toward God. Take a step of faith toward God. Now, the the priest were to walk to the water's edge. We read it a moment ago. You know the story, perhaps. And they were keep walking with the Ark of the Covenant. And with the soles of their feet, touch the water, the Jordan shall be cut off. So to get your feet wet is a way of saying that you need to take a step of faith. Step into the water. You may not be ready to close your eyes right now and jump in with both feet. Now don't misunderstand me. If the Lord has asked you to jump in with both feet, you need to be willing to do that. You remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, Oh, if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, that you can move mountains. Maybe he wants to know that Jesus can do a lot 
with a little, if we'll exercise a little bit of faith. I don't think I'm asking too little of you because if you're, if you're willing to jump in with both, great. But everyone here, everyone who is a follower of the Lord Jesus, even those who may be contemplating putting their faith in Christ today, can begin to take a step toward Christ in faith and show that you trust Him more. And God will do amazing things. Where do you need to show a little bit more faith? Is it have something to do maybe with your home or your family or your finances or relationships? It, it may be that God's asking you to let go of something because He has something better in mind. Speaking of, uh, speaking of move, moving forward and uh, crossover experiences that we're talking about uh, today, I, I don't believe this passage that we're talking about today is just a random passage that we could probably just use any Sunday. In fact, I believe every time, and particularly Brother Larry last Sunday, well, he's my hero. Three services that he did, caught him at the last minute. Uh, I hope I can grow up and be just like Larry. But I, I, I believe that the uh, Lord has brought us to this passage on this day and for a particular reason. Let's look at the big picture for a moment. Uh, we're in our 50th year. September 20th, 2020 marked 50 years Parkway Baptist Church uh, was a church, and so uh, 50 years is significant for many reasons. In the Old Testament, 50th year was, every 50th year was to be the year of Jubilee. It was a time in which all slaves were set free, all debts would be paid in full, everybody who had had to sell out their land, the land would come back to the original owners. And so it was a year of Jubilee, so it was a year of new beginnings. Well, we believe for us it's a year of new beginnings. <clears throat> I don't know that you've heard or not, but over the past year or so, there's been a worldwide pandemic that's been taking place. And so it may be that the Lord has us here in this place at this particular time, maybe even moving forward this week with a little bit more sense of normalcy, perhaps. And here we are also on the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, still celebrating the fact that Jesus is our Lord and Savior died for us on the cross. Three days later, He rose again. Do you know in this past year or so, one thing that you've done exceptionally well as a church, it's been, I don't know, we should be surprised, but you have given well. You've been faithful in your giving over the past 60 weeks perhaps. We've not passed an offering plate in almost 60 weeks at church and uh, the church has, has given above and beyond, not just above and beyond expectations, but I mean like record giving has taken place. And our regular giving and our giving toward our faith campaign and all of these things. And you're to be commended for that. But Lord is to be glorified. He gets all the praise and, his, and the glory uh, for all of these things. Do you know that the generation, before this generation, that crossed over into the Jordan, generation that died in the wilderness, do you know that they were known for being generous? I mean, it, they had plundered the Egyptians, you might remember, as they came out of Egypt. And it came time in order to be able to build the tabernacle. Uh, they gave and they gave, and so much so that Moses came and said to the people, stop giving, you're giving too much. Well, we're not quite to the place that we're going to ask you to stop giving, you understand. But they were known to be generous, and in fact, it was probably of the 40 years in the wilderness, probably the, the top thing that they did in their generosity and giving, in particular building the tabernacle that would be used to house the Ark of the Covenant, place where God dwelt. But they stopped right there. 
and they did not continue to follow God. So here we are in a place. We want to be sure that we don't stop after 50 years. We don't sure be want to stop after a pandemic that takes place. We sure want to be sure that we don't stop because we've given well. In fact, I want to make you've got your notes there. One application for this passage particularly is to take your next step. You may already know what that is. But it may be that you just want to write down, take your next step and feel that know that, boy, I need to take the next. Maybe I don't know what that is, but you want to be following that so that we might be found faithful in whatever that is because we're never finished till Christ returns, till we go on to be with Him. We want to continue to grow with the Lord. So, and I've got kind of three P's there maybe to help us out there. One of those is priority. In fact, I want to encourage you to make it a priority this week. Lord, help me to know what my next step is. I think it always needs to be a priority in your life. Lord, what is it next that I need to be doing? The second P that we've got there is personal. In other words, something different for you than it is for me because your next step may or may not be my next step. And then progressive, or it needs to have progress. In other words, there's something that the Lord is asking you to do that will help you to go forward and to give progress to your Christian walk. So, thank you, church, for your faithfulness. Thank you. We praise the Lord for your faithfulness and giving how well financially we've been doing. We're not the only church that's had this kind of phenomenon. Why is this happening? We're not particularly sure, but we're certainly glad because of that. But don't let this be our finest moment. Let it be that we want to continue to take steps forward in the Lord. Number four, grow and show more faith in God. In a most dramatic fashion, more so than my reading did earlier because it continues to tell in the chapters that are coming here what's taking place. More so than probably we could even imagine. When the feet of the priest, the soles of the feet of the priest touched the water, the miracle occurred. And unlike the parting of the Red Sea, which seemed to part, here we have the Jordan River that flows from the north. It dammed up some 15 or 20 miles north in a city called Adam. And the priest, after touching the soles of their feet to the water and the Jordan River becoming dry, they then moved and they walked into the dry riverbed and all of Israel crossed over. It's one thing to get your feet in and get them wet. And God will do a lot with a little bit of faith. But God's not going to leave you there. I'm reminded of another water story of when Jesus got into Peter's boat. Some of you probably don't remember, but a few summers ago we did, a, we did all the boats of the Bible during the summer. And uh, talked about Old Testament boats and New Testament boats. And one of those we talked about, you don't have to remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I'll do it again in a few years. We'll do another boats of the summer. But, uh, but it was where Jesus had come to Peter. And Peter, still a fisherman, asked if uh, he could get in Peter's boat. And he rolled out just a little bit. And they rolled out just a little bit. And then Jesus preached to the people, all the people that were listening. He preached to them. And then after he got through preaching... Jesus turned to Peter and said, Would you roll out into the deep and cast your net into the deep? And Peter said, Well, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We've not had any luck. Plus, it's the middle of the day. He had to be thinking, and you don't cast your net in the middle of the deep, in the middle of the day. 
why do we do that very thing? But then Peter said, nevertheless, at your request, I'll do it. And you know the story, of course. They threw the net in, pulled in more fish, you know, than the nets could handle. They began to break, more boats come on. Peter's amazed at what took place and what's taking place and amazed at what Jesus did. And then Jesus said, and this is the paraphrase, said, you think this is something? You ain't seen nothing yet. I want to make you fishers of men. Chances are the Lord's already asked you to row out a little bit, to show a little bit of faith. But the Lord's not going to leave you there. The Lord's not going to leave you just get your feet wet. But it may be today or sometime in the near future the Lord has asked you to go deeper in your faith, to go farther than you've ever been before. But many believers, many of those who are disciples of Jesus, maybe even most are not ready to do that. Maybe they're reluctant like Peter. I've tried that, Lord. It's not going to work. This doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. Ah, but for those who do, for those who are ready, a great adventure lies ahead for those who are willing to show more faith and grow. This uh, past year or so of being your pastor, of being a pastor, I guess, maybe has been some of the most challenging and faith-building times of my ministry. Well, I can see where God has done and is doing a great work, wants to do a great work. Some of these things have been the events themselves, as you might could imagine. Some of them have been even personal matters, but your prayers and support have been a great help. And I do believe God wants to increase my faith. And I believe He wants to show more of Himself to me and to my wife and to my family than ever before. And so we're going to continue to trust Him. I invite you to come along with us and do the same. Joshua gives a very significant detail there in verse 15. Look with you. We read through 13 a moment ago. But in verse 15 it says, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The Jordan River was at the time of the year in which the banks were overflowing. Now sometimes it's a few hundred feet wide, but here at the time of harvest, time of springtime, <clears throat> would have been about uh, this time of year, uh, it was about a mile wide. Sometimes Jordan River is a little more than a flowing stream, large stream, it would still be a large stream. But then there were times, and this was the time, in which it would be a mile-wide torrent river walking across. Now the Israelites, you know, I guess on their own thinking, they could have waited for another time of year. They could have found another place perhaps to cross, better place. So why did God choose to go across in such a dramatic fashion? I think He tells us why. One of those is in verse 7 to where He says I, he wants to be sure that people know that God is with Joshua and that they would want to follow. And then the priest represented the leadership that they could follow as they led people, stood in the river while all the people passed. In the coming months and years, we as a church, we're going to have greater challenges, opportunities, I think like never before. In fact, I believe we're standing on the edge. And like... In verse 4, the Lord will help us to lead us to places that we've never passed before. And then here's Joshua, who's the Jesus type in the story, helps us to know that we need to follow Jesus. 
But those of you who are servants in the church or staff and are deacons and Sunday school teachers, ministry leaders, involved workers, like the priest who first stepped into the water. They didn't stay right there, but then they moved themselves into the middle of the Jordan, which had been a raging torrent just a mile wide minutes earlier. So you're going to be asked not just to get your feet wet, but to stand in the middle, thus allowing others to cross over. So why did God choose such a dramatic fashion? Well, while much of the application is individual, there's a corporate understanding to this passage. This is relational, the horizontal, we might say, is together we must move forward. We're going to see more of that even as we look at this passage and things that we need to do together. But you need to understand that your individual commitment to the Lord Jesus, your following in faith, has every bit something to do with how everybody else is going to follow and how faithful the rest of us are going to be. We also find there's a vertical. Verse 10 says this. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 10, we read it a moment ago. It says, And Joshua said, Here's how you shall know that the living God is among you, and He will without fail drive out from before you Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, and my favorite joke, the porch lights and the flashlights. So all of these, but the first part of that is that it is there's, there, that we understand that the victories or anything that takes place or whatever good happens, it's not because of my power or anything that we have done, but it's because of who God is. And so we find here what we're calling perhaps the horizontal together we must go forward. The vertical is God is with us. If we accomplish anything good for the kingdom, it will not be because of my power or yours, but because we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. And then number five, one more instruction that was given that we need to pay attention to. And that is to celebrate and share what God has done. You might not have noticed, but in verse 12, it said that they were to choose 12 men in chapter 3 and verse 12. But it didn't say what far. We can assume maybe they were going to help with the ark or something or help, or, but they, these were not the ones who were to take the ark of the covenant. We're not told until chapter 4 and verse 4 and following. It says that what they were to do is that they were to go and they were to pick up 12 stones from the Jordan River. And they were to take those 12 stones to the camp eight miles away. So let's, first of all, let's, if they're going to build a memorial with these stones, let's assume that these are pretty big stones. And so let's assume that these are pretty, I started to say ugly men, strong men who could pick up the stones and carry them the eight miles and get them to where it was that they needed to be. Take them to to Gilgal in the Jordan. And so that when they asked, or the children asked, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, what are these stones for? Well, they were to tell the generations to come what had happened. We also need to find ways to celebrate and commemorate and tell others what God has done in our lives. When our children ask why we live a certain way, we need to take the opportunity. But we've got to be sure that we have some of those stones, some of those big rocks in our lives in order that somebody might ask. Now, some of those all should already be. You've been baptized, baptism. Why would you be baptized? We observe the Lord's Supper. It's a time uh, that we show before others. We ask all believers, children or family members who have not 
already given their heart and life to Christ usually are not invited to be a part. Why? Sometimes they ask. Resurrection Sundays, resurrection celebrations, Christmas, uh, every time we come together for church and why we think that it might be important. And other things in your life to say, why would you do live so much with integrity? Why would you point to Jesus so that other people might ask and we might be able to share and celebrate His presence? All that we do in serving God and others should not be considered just a duty or a burdensome chore, but a guarded privilege and a joyful celebration of all that He hath done. So when others ask, why do you celebrate? Why do you do things differently? Even when life has not turned out like you had hoped, even when things don't always go your way, you want to be able to say that I testify that He is faithful. I testify that He is faithful. It's not without notice that we find in chapter 4 when this took place. We know that it took place around harvest time, but it took place in the first month of their year, which would have been the month of Nisan for them, which correlates with our March 15th to April 15th thereabouts. Because it was the crossing of the Red Sea that took place in that very same month at the very same time 40 years earlier. And now almost to the day, we find they're crossing over into the Jordan River, into the land of Canaan, the land of promise, exactly 40 years later. What else happened at that time? Well, we know because of what happened with the Israelites the night before that they came out of Egypt, there was the Passover lamb that took place. And would they continue to celebrate? Every year during that same time, it was the Passover lamb that pointed to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. What's today? Oh, it seems like it's around April the 11th. Is that about right? I've lost track. Excuse me. <laughs> Somebody pick me up, please, if, I, if you need to. I've lost track exactly what day it is. About April the, but around this same time, just so happened to be around this same time that this took place, and we continue to remember that Jesus is the Lamb of God who came, came to take away the sins of the world so that we might have life and have everlasting life with Him. God's at work without question. There's no question. You may not see it. We may not know it. We may not be looking for it or paying attention, but God will always be at work. But oh, don't you want to get on the bus? Get ready. Be ready to cross over. Consider why you would cross over to live as Christ intended. You got this last note, perhaps it's going to be follow Jesus, not in hopes to get a blessing. The Lord's already blessed you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. He's already given you life, but so that you'll be ready to experience His presence. Ah, oh, don't you experience more of Jesus today? It's part of crossing over so that we might be able to walk with Him. There are those who are here today, perhaps, who need to give lordship. Maybe a particular part of your life, particular something that you've not let go of that you need to give over to the Lord Jesus today. I want to encourage you to do that very thing. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, it's our prayer that today, even as we have talked about what it means to live and to walk with Christ, that that has been an incentive to say that that's the kind of life you want to live and that you want to have Christ in your heart 
and you want to have a home in heaven. We're praying for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to be able to share what your word has to say. And we pray, Father, that you will continue to be at work in our lives to help us to give more of ourselves over to you. And Father, we pray that you even identify right now in our lives those things that we have not completely given to you as our Lord and Savior. We pray, Father, if there's one that does not know you as their Savior today, that today might be the day of their salvation. We thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray that you'll continue to be at work. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for how you've been at work for 50 years. And thank you for how you continue to be at work. We see it evident all the time, every day. And we pray, Father, and we thank you that we can be a part of what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.